Welcome to the Nitty Gritty. Very, very cool episode this week. Another one of those, I, I wouldn't say that I wasn't excited about this one, just didn't really know what to expect, because whenever I hear a word like tiny house, or words like that strung together, I usually check out, right, because I'm a large individual, but we had uh, Brian Hawkins on from Tiny, ha- tiny House Movement. Yep. Holy crap, what a story. This one is so, it is the definition of what we wanted to start this podcast yes, for. Yes, for sure. I mean, literally married with three kids and jumps headfirst into the tiny house industry, which isn't really an industry. Yeah. And this was six, six years ago, seven yeah. years ago, like way before it turned into a pop culture thing. Yeah. And dude, they're still just scratching the surface. There is so much to it. Like, it, I mean, I didn't know much about it. I've seen a few tiny houses, but now it's containers and prefabbing his own container homes out of china yeah it, i mean this guy kind of is the limit and but i mean married three kids he's got four now four well married three kids when he decided to yeah. quit he you know he worked for vivant for nine or ten years yep and then just had the epiphany of building tiny houses <laughs> <laughs> and just went at it and i mean this guy overnight turned into a general contractor. I mean, they, these these guys that manufacture these things, they have to do everything yeah. from framing it to... And he's a big dude. He is six foot four, <laughs> and he's building tiny houses that are four to 600 square feet. But I mean, some... And they range anywhere from, what, 70 to like 150, he said? Yeah. Just depending. So, I mean, obviously, some nice custom work. Yeah. But... Well, that's the thing. If you look at them, like, if you just looked at the interior... And you didn't know how big it was. It would look like a custom home that's worth a million dollars. Well, and the fact that he taught himself how to use CAD, everything. Like, don't people go to architecture school for that? Like, he's taught himself to be an engineer, an architect, a designer, a, a framer, everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> his wife has to think he's so hot. I say that in the a episode. social media star without a face because without, his account, you need to check out the account at Tiny House Movement. I mean, he doesn't even want to be on it. He's got 675,000 followers. He does it all himself. No team. This dude is way smarter than he knows. Yeah. Right. Humble guy. But I don't think he realizes that we didn't even ask him if he went to college. Hopefully he said no. I doubt he did because he's a vivant. He went, he's a vivant for 10 years. So I doubt he did it. Yet another example of the racket. No, 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 no. He came up here to go to BYU. Oh, that's right. He came up and waste his parents' money and time. Well, we but I don't know how long he went. No, I know. I'm just kidding. But he didn't. Oh no, he was studying to go into geology. That's right. He was going to be a geologist because he's from Bakersfield. Yeah, a whole lot of good that did him. <laughs> right. I mean, so caution to the wind. You know, I jumped into an industry at an 80 percent failure rate. Right. Same kind of thing. Three kids left them at home. But I jumped into an industry that was an industry. So, I mean, at least there was something, you know, financing available and whatever else. But homeboy just dove into something that was really non-existent at the time. So even more respect. So this one. So so have fun listening to this one. I'm grumpy in the beginning. Cam Cam is grumpy. I got a little bit (laughs) heated about a few things. I mean, I was maybe egging it on a little bit just because it was funny, but but yeah, this one's fun. Yeah, so, enjoy this one. Enjoy it. 
Welcome Nitty Gritty this week. We are here with Brian Hawkins. Tiny house. Everything. Everything, man. Everything. <laughs> I told him I Not felt- a tiny guy, by the way. No. Like I have a lot of respect for you building tiny houses because you're only an inch shorter than me. It's uh it gets interesting for sure, because when you're walking around a loft and I have people that are that we build them for that are five, 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 six, right. and they want the same space in their loft to be able to walk around because they're a little bit shorter. Wow. So when I have to put a loft down at six feet and I'm crouched down as I'm as I'm working on something, it could be a long day. Nope, 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 nope. I couldn't do it. I told him I felt bad because I was had a meeting this morning for our house and knowing this interview is coming, like the whole time I'm just like, I don't need that. Gosh, I don't need to do that. <laughs> Dude, have people do that all the time. Like if you watch tiny house shows, you're just like. I don't need a. I don't even need a house. Like, I don't need a garage. I can just live in my van the rest of my but life. I'll be golden. Those in my gym that yeah. I'm building, <laughs> and my closet. But I'm really curious, like for people who don't know, like what is like the tiny house movement? I mean, that's so his Instagram is the tiny house or tiny house movement, right? Yeah, the Instagram page is tiny house movement. The movement in general. Uh, so your typical grassroots hardcore tiny house people are 400 square feet or less on wheels. So that's that's kind of the norm throughout the industry of what people are building all over the country, um, and then you have some people that I mean, because it's a it's a relative term, right? Like tiny to me is different than to somebody else. Yeah, I have four kids, and I need one for my wife and one for me and my kids. Like we can't all fit in a tiny house, right? But for some people, it's four hundred square feet. For some people, it's eight hundred square feet. But the the typical term that if you ask your your typical TV show or tiny house nation or anything else, it's 400 square feet or less on wheels. Okay. So tiny, how come everybody, there's always like a rule, right? <laughs> With things people, like this, like yeah. that's not a tiny house. It's, it's like 450 square feet. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times, if I post something that's over 400 square feet, half the comments are, yeah, that's awesome. Not a tiny house. I'm like, <laughs> why, why, why does that matter? Oh why did, man, the it's tiny an house awesome police. home. Just enjoy the awesome house. It's so true. So tiny er, and that's in everything. I feel like, right? Yeah, it's just always like the Especially snob right of every movement. Yeah, they're they're fanatical, man. Like tiny house people are, they're all in. Wow. So now, where are you from? You're wearing a Dodgers hat. Where, yeah, I grew up. I grew up an hour and a half north of L.A. in Bakersfield. Okay. So I am Ooh. I am an L.A. sports guy. Those, okay. those are my teams. I've lived up here. I came up here to go to the Y, and I've been up here for 16 years. Upgrade. Yep, I, dude. I, I would Bakersfield not. People, hey, man, but you, it's a rough place. You don't have to convince me. I, I, there's a reason I haven't moved back. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not going back. There's a great country music station there, though. Yeah, one of the best I've ever, ever heard. I wish I could remember Crystal it. Palace, man. Oh, oh dude. Kuzz. Isn't it like Dwight Yoakam, Merle Haggard? Like, there's a yep. bunch of really good country to come out of there. But Garth Brooks proposed to to his wife there. In, which one? In Bakersfield. Uh, what's her name? Trisha. First, Trisha. Yeah. Oh, the real one. The she's the one. second one. Yeah. She's the real one. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's Garth pretty cool. is a legend. Yeah, Bakersfield is uh is country music, NASCAR, and agricultural land. That's it's crazy. I've taught some barbecue classes there. I mean, so I grew up in Long Beach, Huntington Beach, California. Okay. But the people are awesome in Bakersfield. Like it has a total rural feel. I mean, it's oh, yeah. big, but it yeah, kind of a down home type of place. So I like the I love the people, but it is kind of a Hot. I mean, there's nothing to do there, right? Yeah, like you, everywhere you're going is an hour and a half to two hours away from there, right? But uh, yeah. Wow. So like growing up was, I mean, tiny house. I wasn't around back then, so I mean, you probably just like no, man. Tiny homes was never. I mean, nobody grows up thinking they're going to do anything in tiny homes for a living, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't really a thing. Um, 
growing up there, my dad actually worked, which most people do in Bakersfield, in the oil industry one way or the other, right? Like for Texaco or Chevron, there's oil derricks all over town. That's that's, that's really what they're known for. Uh, so I got into geology. I was going to be doing surveying, working for my dad and his company. Okay. And then when I came back from my mission and was a freshman at the Y, uh, he sold his company, and I decided I don't want to go live in Vernal <laughs> to to try to make. 40 I'd rather grand a year, live right? in Bakersfield than Vernal. Just like just personally, two hundred percent more. Uh, so I decided if I was going to stay here, I got into sales and wound up at Vivint for almost a decade. Oh, really? And then uh, my brother-in-law was building a tiny home for Hold a friend on. of his. When were you at Vivint? What years? Uh, I was there until 2000. It was six years ago. So God, we from seven there. to 14. We were all there probably the same. We were at Pinnacle. Same time. Okay. <laughs> we hated you guys because you had way better parties. Dude, I knocked, I knocked, doors, I knocked doors for Pinnacle in 2003. Wow. That summer. Where? Bakersfield. Okay. Wow. That, that was, was that was the only the only summer I worked for. That people. was my first summer. I was really? in Chicago, two thousand three. Okay, so small world. Yeah. Okay, so you were doing the summer sales thing. Yeah, and then I did phone sales. So I did inside sales at Vivint as well. Okay. And my brother in law was building one for a friend of his that had just a couple hundred acres up in Montana that he hunted on every year, and really just wanted a place to bug out, like just some random off grid place that he can go to two three times a year. So my brother in law was building it for him. He was a general contractor, and I was just helping him put the flooring in. We started having random people walk into the shop because we had to have the bay door open because it was so hot, and we were just down here in Vineyard, um, and people kept showing up for no reason, just asking us what in the heck we were doing, and so we both got crazy. I started doing a little research and realized uh, there's not enough people building tiny homes. Had your brother ever done it before? No. Never, I mom? mean, he'd, he'd built homes, but yeah. not, not tiny homes on trailers, right? Okay. Uh, so we, we both got crazy and convinced our wives to let us quit our jobs and build tiny homes. Like that was, it was literally just a complete out of left field deal. And everybody, everybody I knew obviously called me crazy. Everything was insane. Right. And my wife included, like everybody thought it was insane. It still is nuts by all means. It's, it's different. So what did you see? I mean, what, what about that made you go, all right, yeah, I'm all in. Uh, For me personally, it was affordable housing. Like I was lucky enough to never be in a situation where, you know, like I couldn't, I didn't have a place to go, right? Like if, if worse came to worse, I could always move back in with my parents or something, right? Uh, but I knew so many people that were struggling to be able to get a starter home, an apartment, anything. Affordable housing just, you know, it's even worse now than it was then. Right. But I saw it being such an enormous issue and I wanted to find a way to help. And that seemed like the most logical way for me was to start building tiny homes on wheels. And we were shipping them all over the country. People everywhere just wanted, we didn't build the same home twice. Like it was... It was awesome. But that that was what I saw was an opportunity to help people as crazy as it sounded and looked to be able to get affordable housing for something that they didn't have to spend 300 grand on a starter home. And so was there, I don't know how to, like almost like a template or was there like steps of the typical tiny house? This oh, is what man, it has no, inside it was, of it. It's, or it's was still, it all just trial and error? It's still kind of the wild west. Uh, they've just recently over the last two years come out with an actual code. So there's an IRC, the International Residential Code, for what you build your houses to. For homes on wheels, that didn't exist. You were either building an RV, so you had an RVIA certification Loop or code hole. that you built to, right? <laughs> or you had your residential home. But for for building a stick-built home on a trailer, there was no such code. There was no such thing. So everybody was doing their own thing. You were doing everything you can to build as closely to a residential code as you could. Uh, but for a rise and run in your stairs, for example, if you were to build the average residential home, 
your stairwell would take up the entire house. Right. So you have ladders, you have all kinds of little things that you do to 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 create more space in less than 400 square feet. So it it's was almost like the ultimate game of Tetris. Like oh going on vacations, oh yeah. I like I love about. packing a van. <laughs> it's like it's weird. Like loading the dishwasher, packing the van, like get everything. Okay, how am I going to get this all in there? Like it's yeah. like a fun challenge. I'd imagine it's kind of similar. They probably like here. I want all of this stuff in my house, and you first go, not a chance. Yeah, and then you go, all right, how do I do that? And you start just like putting stuff in all these places. The average person shows up, and they're you know they're downsizing from two thousand square feet or fifteen hundred, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and they they come in, they're like, all right, I want two thousand square feet worth of stuff in three hundred square feet. Oh, You're like, man. that's fantastic. I would love to live in that fantasy land, but that that's just not going to exist. Like physics is still a thing, right? <laughs> uh, so it is, it's a lot like playing a game of Tetris. Everything has to be multifunctional, where your stairs go, if there's storage there, if you can fit appliances under there, where you can hang clothes, where a closet can be, what type of appliances, what type of furniture fits, how much counter space you have, do you have a workspace? Like it's, it, it's a lot of fun, uh, but it can be really stressful because some people have a very specific idea of what they want because they draw it out on a napkin or something, you know, and it, and it makes sense to them. But fitting all that in a real space is tough sometimes. How do tiny house snobs feel about slide outs? Uh, they're very particular about it. Like they're not in the slide outs. Yeah. Oh, but there waste. is there is a company in in Canada. Zero Square does that. Like that's that's all they do. Our tiny that's house what I'm talking about. Gotta have the pop out, man. Uh, their biggest problem was before until about two years ago, it was really tough to insulate those. Like true, RVs true. aren't aren't built that's to be lived true. in full time, right? Right. Uh, even though so many people do that, I'm gonna say you can't do it. Just takes a little more propane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it happens all over the country, but legally there's not a single place in the country you can live in your RV full time. Wow. Nowhere. Like even really? in an RV park or anything else, you have to move every 90 days. You have to technically go on vacation, move your RV for 10 days and then come back. That is so stupid. That's really a thing. That is a thing. Man, free country, my ASS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are so many dumb rules. Listen, if I own the KOA and someone wants to live there all year round, I'm in. If they're paying their bill, let's go. Yeah. You're just keep it clean. That's really a strange rule. Yeah. But that's that's how I mean that that's why tiny homes are so I think polarizing personally. There's two reasons. One is where to put them legally is still a problem, right? Right. The other is how to finance them. Right. Because there is no standard banking institution that looks at it because there's not enough data saying I mean, this has only been around, realistically, it's been around for about 15 years, this this tiny house movement. Uh, they don't have enough data to say, I know what that's worth five years from now. So a typical note to lend on it doesn't, people are going out and getting RV loans or anything they can to try and you get know, one. this tiny house movement is exposing a lot of problems in our country. Yeah. Think about it, right? This is supposed to be capitalism, free market, innovate. Oh, there's not enough data. We don't know how to lend you money. Yep innovation we can't do that bureaucracy god driving me crazy you're in a good mood today i'm not in a good mood <laughs> actually you're striking all these little all these little chords right now so anyway sorry so why are they built on wheels i mean is the uh, is the intent to move them yeah there there are a lot of people that that still travel with them, even if it's only a couple times a year, most people don't actually live like nomads. They're not just on on the road 24-7 from place to place. There are a handful of people that do, uh, and you can see that all over social media. I mean, from there's a lot more people, especially now after COVID, like living in an RV is really For appealing sure. to people what are they, to what get out. What do they weigh on average? A tiny home built on wheels versus an RV, there's a big weight difference. So right. like tiny homes, because they're stick-built, 
typical residential yeah. materials, 14 to, to 20,000 pounds. Whew. I mean, it's a big old boy to pull. Yeah. Okay. So like I have a, I have a three quarter ton diesel, uh, and I've the, the heaviest one that I've pulled across the state of Utah anyway, uh, I think it was 19,000 pounds. And can they handle being moved around quite a bit? Yeah, they can. I mean, they're built for that. Right. Um, but you, I mean, I would recommend having at least a one ton dually right. or even just getting a semi and, and pulling that thing around. Well, you're saving plenty of money. Get the King Ranch I don't Platinum understand. Dually, yep. one ton. If you're planning on moving around, like, why not just buy a really nice RV? Is, it, is an RV more, this is super, is Plus an RV way more expensive? No, it's a great question. Uh, it, it, what's hilarious is a lot of people look at it as a price per square foot thing, right? Like yeah. tiny homes for the average custom tiny house builder in the US, they average like 200, 250 bucks a square foot, which, you know, like looking at the numbers, you're like, that's ludicrous. Like who's right. paying 200 bucks? You get a high-end RV, man, it's 1,500 bucks a square foot. Is it really? Yeah, if you go get a Tiffin Motorhome or Jayco or anybody else, like there's some, and they're gorgeous by all means, they're phenomenal, but they're 450 to 500 grand. Well, I had no idea. I had no idea that they were that much I money. saw a pro snowboarder. I did a catering job up at Mount Baker like three years ago. And I mean, pretty famous snowboarder. Um, I think it's Josh Davis. Anyway, he rolled up with the tiny house. Yeah. Put it in the parking lot. This is a big contest. Like People come in from all over the world. And he had a full-blown tiny house in the parking lot. So, it was so cool. So do you have to like find a trailer park where you can like tap into water and power? Uh, you can't. You can be completely off grid. We've done quite a few that are completely off grid, but it is the most expensive part of building a tiny house. Is a solar system, water tanks, even a toilet, man. Like your regular toilet in your house or any any residential commercial toilet, right. a couple hundred bucks usually, maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks. Weight too. Yeah. But if you go get a composting toilet, they start at six hundred bucks. You go get uh, you go get an incinerating toilet that literally burns everything for you, four grand, five grand, just for the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, how, it's worth it though. How often? Burn it all how up. often are people doing those? No, empty uh, tanks. I would. I mean, half the ones that we do are off grid, completely really? off grid. Yeah, just because people want the opportunity in case they want to go somewhere, they want to just literally be able to pick up and move whenever they want. I dig it. That's way better than a bomb shelter. Yeah, because you never know where you can go, right? I kind of dig that. So is that? I want are, one. So are most of your clients? Are they treating this as? a vacation, a second home type of deal, or are they mainly like, this is our living, everyday um, living? I would say about 80% of them are living full-time, 20% are rental properties. Okay. So they're, uh, what's happened in the last year, rental especially because brilliant. of, especially because of Instagram, social media, I, I've traveled the country with my family, taking my kids with me, and we visit tiny house resorts, people that are just renting out tiny homes. My dad just stayed one. They went down and played in Southern Utah golf. Shut Was up. it Canab, I think? Oh yeah. Love Canab. Like, he's like, there's this, tiny house community so we all just rented a tiny house that's really cool actually wow it's, it's awesome They're that the would be sides. a pretty good investment actually you park 10 of those bad boys somewhere cool with airbnb and everything nowadays oh, yeah. that's really interesting so really good buddy of mine he bought a property in hawaii he oh, he redid bro. the house mm -hmm. and then put a tiny house on it because he didn't have land next to it he's like just the money like from one or the other page right. for like it's yeah. crazy there's there's a reason affordable housing is such an issue. Like here in Utah, for example, where I live in Lehigh, I can't put one in my backyard. I can't rent it out. I can't do anything because you can't have an accessory dwelling, right? Yeah. And then if you do have an accessory dwelling, it has to be attached to your permanent structure. So I'd have to literally add an addition to my house to have something like that. The Rage Against the Machine songs playing in my head right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> Home of the Free, land, what is it? Home of the Brave, Land of the Free, whoever told you that is your enemy. Remember that song? That's what Lehigh is. It's uh, See, I'm getting all riled up today. The rules are ridiculous. 
Yeah. I mean, crazy. You can spend all this money on this awesome, amazing tiny house, and I can't Airbnb it in Lehigh on no. my own property? No. Oh, I can kiss my ASS. There it is again. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm kind of, come on. I'm just having some fun. <laughs> I know people are laughing right now. Like, Whoa, he really is in a bad mood. But I'm really not. It's but, just, spell- but it is kind of crazy. But you're spelling out ASS. I know. Usually I say it. <laughs> but I know I'm going to say it three or four more times. So if I just spell it out you each gotta, time, gotta then up. Brent doesn't have to beep it. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, no, you're good, man. It's uh, it is it's nuts because logically you would just think, we, as a state of Utah in particular, the numbers are way worse in other states. In Utah, we're forty five thousand units behind where we need to be for the average person that works a minimum wage job to have to work less than ninety hours a week just Holy to afford rent. Which, which is why you see so much of these multifamilies popping up everywhere, yeah. trying to become affordable. But I mean, still, those are but those are the people that are keeping this type of thing down because they don't want their it's the whole reason why Dude, they it's, still have oil. Yeah, it's it's a still every, everybody's going to pump that bad boy out. And it makes sense like vertically like the best use of land, right? Is to go vertical. Build 3 4 stories high cuz right. I'm going to get a lot more money out of that. I get a lot more property, a lot right. more homes to sell. Versus a tiny home community, you have your own walls, you're not sharing a wall with anybody. You might be close to someone, but you have your own little slice of heaven, right? Like your own little For piece sure. of land. So what's the difference between a tiny home and a trailer? The way they're built is very different. Okay. So trailers are are light. Same thing with RVs. Like they're built to be light and to be traveled with as much as possible. We say manufactured home, by the way. Yeah. I say double wide. <laughs> <They're>, dude, mobile <laughs> homes. It's in country songs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which there's plenty of. Right? <laughs> my, my wife and I actually managed a mobile home park in Provo right next to the mall my freshman year. We lived in uh, in Crestline Estates in there, 115 mobile homes uh-huh. in there. Um, and living in that. Well, we had that that's wide. all the rage right now. Yeah, it's Everyone, a new craftsman. I heard. Everyone's trying to buy mobile home parks. Holy smokes! Oh, mobile home parks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is okay. a fantastic investment. Really? Yes. Yeah. And they they're not on the market for more than a day. No, I don't know about property managing those bad boys. That's, That's why you pay you pay spots. random college kids to live on site and yeah. do it all for you. That's what there happens. You go. It's you like get, storage units. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Wow. You give them a house and then they manage it. Yeah. That dude. That's what we did. I mean, they paid for our utilities and our cell phone bill. But other than that, we had a free place to live while we were going to school. Man, this is fascinating stuff. So, like, okay. is a trailer and a tiny house? Are they technically competition or no? Uh, yeah, and and I don't, I don't know a if place competition for both. is the like right they're, thing. they're both phenomenal. It just all depends on how you want to use it. If you're living in it full time, the reason tiny homes really became a thing is because you're you're doing a traditional build. It just happens to be on wheels. So the look of it is very different. It's not like an airstream or anything else. Feels custom. Yeah. Well, the inside of them are they're amazing. Unbelievable. Well, and that's the thing, like it's so much higher end than a manufactured home. Yeah. Or even I mean, even an RV cuz RVs, you can change some trim, right? Yeah. But it's not like you can change the layout really. They've got a few plans, but I mean, sky's kind of the limit with I mean, as long yeah, as I mean, you're there's, under, there's only so much you can do six, within four to six hundred square four, feet. No, yeah. four. I'm going twelve hundred on mine. They can kiss. <laughs> no, never mind. So when they but, go to when they go to uh, to how they're financed, like HUD is a whole thing, right? For right. Manufactured homes. So anything over four hundred square feet gets into HUD code. So a lot uh-huh. of builders, even for your RVIA builds, they call them park model RVs. Uh-huh. They max out at three hundred ninety nine square feet so that they don't have to sell them as HUD homes. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to kind of go around that depending on which which ones you want to build because park models are 10 and 12 feet wide. Your typical tiny home is eight feet wide. Right. That's it. You're eight and a half feet, fender to fender. 
as insane as it is, any 16-year-old with a license can pull a typical tiny home down the road. Wow. Which is... That's heavy. Yeah. That is not I, dude, easy. I've seen them... I've seen tiny homes come off their hitch. I've seen them fall off the trailer itself. You don't want uh, that falling off the trailer. No. If they're that heavy. No. That's that's scary. But and if they're not balanced properly, like I've I've been cruising behind uh I've been cruising behind one on a way to a to a show, the the National Jamboree is what they were called at the time. Uh <laughs> Tiny House Jamboree in Denver. And they I'm got behind the, name a guy. When the Boy Scouts went out of business. Yeah, it was it was it was great. <laughs> uh and I'm I'm seeing this guy take a corner. And the house, you see it just start to, to float right. And I think the whole thing is going to tip. Oh but the house just comes off the trailer. Dude keeps driving, but the ha- like it's just him and the trailer at that point. And the house comes completely off. Whoa. Luckily, he didn't hit anybody. You know, it was just kind of off in the middle of a field. Like, it, you know, it, it was best case scenario for something coming off and on the freeway. But how are these insured? Most people use RV insurance or car insurance because they do have a bid works. number. Yeah. So the insurance companies have figured it out. Yep. But the banks haven't. Nope. Hmm. So are most people, I mean, you said they're trying to get RV loans. Is the number one reason people doing this for the affordability of it? I'd yeah. imagine there's the other side of it, which is the environment, right? Yeah. The uh, the two biggest reasons are by far from a financial standpoint and your your carbon footprint, right? Like people that have an environmental issue and they just, they want to do well. The biggest thing with those those grassrooters, if you're 400 square feet or less, the is, snobs. yeah, is is to right. live live simply so others can simply live. Like that's kind of the huh. the motto for that is to take up less space, use less stuff, less material things, so that other people have. You were have way more. ahead of the game if you think about it. How long have you been doing this? Uh, six years. So I mean, this whole minimalist carbon footprint thing is just getting more and more popular. Yeah, and you guys did that before it became. You know, a point of contention. We'll just say, like the lady at yeah. Whole Foods yelling at me because my truck's too big. <laughs> she can suck it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean it. I mean that's impressive. Did you have any idea that that's where it was going, or did no. you guys just dig, build? Dude, the tiny we home? we had no freaking idea what we were doing. Wow. None. Even when it came to like social media, right? Like when that became a thing, right? That only became a thing because we were one of the unique builders in the country where we had someone that can concentrate on the building side and someone that can concentrate on the marketing side. Everybody else, the builder is wearing every single hat they have. They have to be right. in the shop 24-7. They don't have time to sell, to do any marketing, start social media channels. You guys knew how to sell. I mean, that's what you were doing. for. Yeah, that was that was my background right. was, was sales, right? So that's kind of why it made sense for us, or at least we thought. Uh, and then the demand was so much more than we ever would have imagined. Wow. In the very beginning, I was hustling down leads all over the country scouring the most random websites, looking for people that were looking for tiny homes just to try and bring them in the door. And then you build a couple and that was it. That was all it took. Like people were wow. just like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. You guys exist. Sweet. And then they just started coming in. What a story. Well, what a cool way to have like a cabin. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, you're right. I mean, and I mean, just being able to take, like I think of Airbnb, like what you spend on those. Just going up to like, it looks like we almost overlapped at Bear Lake. Yeah. I read on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's some pretty sweet spots. I would totally park a tiny home as long as mine had double pop outs. Yeah. And it was at least 1,400 square feet when it was all the way wide. But I mean, that you could do a whole, I mean, if you had the right pickup, mm-hmm. you really could do a whole thing and really design it for what you like to do in those places. Yep. You know, if you just want to travel around snowboarding. You could build it all around that type of storage and drying your equipment out. And 
I mean, the sky really is the limit where with RVs and everything, you just have to kind of adapt to it, right? So like your main business, is it the construction of tiny homes? Is that like your main focus then? Yeah, social media was an afterthought. Like that, the the whole being on Instagram, like I, I wasn't into social media at all. That was not my forte. I didn't want anything to do with it. I thought it was a huge waste of time. Being on there all day did not seem appealing to me at all. Um, well, you were ahead of the game on one thing, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I, dude, by no means am I brilliant. I, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm the smartest Brian. guy in the room. That's for dang sure. Uh, but when I started getting most of the inquiries we got were through social media, and then I started to focus on that, and that kind of became my my side of the business. Uh, and then a few years ago, my brother-in-law, who was my my business partner, um, just just didn't want to do it anymore. Like he just got so stressed because we were so overwhelmed, and we could wow. never keep up with demand. Literally, there's there's a line out the door, and we just could never build fast enough. Like like in early two thousands, when when contractors can go wherever they want. You know, like just whatever job you want to be at for the next month, you could be there and then move on to something else. Right. So it was really tough to keep people at the right wage and build them quick enough to get out the door. So like how many were you building? We were doing one every six weeks. That was our, and we didn't build the same home twice. They were all custom homes. So Who designs all, them? Did you guys? Yeah, my, my brother-in-law and I designed oh, them. Oh, wow. So people would come with their ideas. They literally would bring in, like they would show up with screenshots of their Instagram page of, I like this kitchen. I like this flooring. I like this loft. I like this whatever. And then we would put it together in a CAD system. And, I mean, gonna say, and so you had to learn how to use CAD and everything. Oh yeah, I mean it's the same Crazy. thing like a normal house. You got to go to engineering, I mean, that kind of stuff. Too. Uh, yeah, I mean I don't, I don't no, have an engineering degree. No codes degree. back then. We're good. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Uh, Doesn't work. We uh, so we would have a third party inspection done on each home from from the IRC code. Oh wow, that was, that was there just to make sure because for us, you didn't have to do that. No, but our biggest fear was that was that's really cool. Dude. Was exactly what we saw going to shows like the, right. the random people that were building in their backyard and show up and try and sell them. We're like, what are you doing? You can't just ram set the no. Can't just ram set it down into the uh, trailer. <laughs> yeah. Hope it stays. <laughs> I put a couple of wedges on the back of that right. thing. It'll stay, right. man. Don't worry about it. Put wood glue down. What the hell? You got flex seal, man. Like it'll it'll solve itself. Don't worry about it. It'll all figure itself out. Oh man! So you guys were just cranking him out. He's like, this is too much for me. Yeah, he and and you know he's in his he was in his mid forties at the time and didn't want to be in the shop anymore. And right, you know I completely understand that. Like yeah. you don't want to be hammered or nailed twenty four seven the rest of your life in small spaces. Yeah, I and, mean, uh, and he's and that's he's, part, he's that's your height. He's six five, oh, yeah, uh-uh. right? Like nope. just. <laughs> No we way. were we didn't have a single person working on houses that was less than six three. Oh I don't know how that no. worked out for us, but that was a tiny home builder by dude, giants. It, well, dude, yeah, it you're was. doing everything. You guys aren't just framers. No, we did everything. You're plumbers. Uh-huh. You're insulators. You're installing the appliances. You're laying the carpet. Like it's like would you go? That's a lot of stuff to know how to do. You say you're not a smart person. Did you? I beg to differ. Would you guys do like prefab everything? Like. No, so it was, they were all literally custom homes. So we didn't have anything. The only thing that was prefabbed for us was the trailer itself. We would get those out of Denver and have them shipped in. Sometimes I'd go pick them up, stack them two or three high, depending on how many we had set to drive out. Are these typically like double axle trailers? What? Yeah, so normally they're they're triple axle. Triple axle. We, uh, we wound up building the really big, tiny homes, if you will, right? They were 30 and 40 feet ones. long. Yeah. That's what everyone should have. I, I always tried to people convince them to do goosenecks because I, I oh, one I love sure. the look and just hauling around is so question. much easier. For sure. But but some people really like a bumper pull until you pull around a twenty thousand pound. I was gonna say bumper a bumper pull. pull for that heavy, Dude. not a chance. 
Andrew, you know what we're talking about. Totally. <laughs> I hate it when my kids pull on my bumper. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you guys are speaking my language. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Dualies. Wow. So what happens then with your brother-in-law? Uh, so he he wanted to move on to do something else, and he went on into basically running a, a archery shop and hunting shop, that kind of stuff. And I started looking around. I kind of took my time for a couple of years and started looking around for, for other people that were manufacturing homes because I knew every builder in the country. Yeah. But nobody could scale. No one could build more than than one home a month. Just it couldn't be done, right? So I started Why? looking around because nobody had the manpower. Okay. Or or the money to carry the overhead. Okay. So for most of these guys, like when you're when you're a tiny home builder and you're just trying to find cash buyers, it you know, it could be slim picking at the times. And so if you had a cash buyer, how did you do that? Would they have to pay X amount of front? Did you just pay as you went or So normally it was three payments. You would put a third down to get started, you'd pay another third once you got to a certain progress point, and then the final third once it was done and shipped. So you're still having to float that while you're building yeah. it then. Yep. Which is another thing that's tricky. And one of the other reasons why financing is such a big deal. Imagine how slow the housing market would be if everyone had to pay cash. Oh, it'd be non existent. No. But that'd be over. That's kind of where it is for tiny homes at the moment. We've been working on it for years, and there's a lot of people that say they're interested, but when it gets to the underwriting and the final, you know, sign on the dotted line, I still haven't been able you to get an actual bank to do it. Yeah. You need so, him to come and we, help We out need someone big time that has a crazy huge fund that's just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. It makes sense. That, we need it, all these Vivint boys to come together and just create a little fund for you. They don't have any money anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, it, it is interesting because it's the way the world is going, right? It's like hybrids and electric cars, yep. right? Like the tiny house thing is not new. I mean, mm. people... I'd say most people have heard the term tiny house now. Well, and I would guess the U.S. is probably the last of the game. Maybe, yeah, and every, yeah, I mean, everybody and that's else in the world too. has been living in small spaces forever. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. But I mean, it can't be. It can't be that hard to marry the worlds of RVs and small custom homes and just figure out a valuation on it. Well, I mean, if I'm an RV manufacturer, I don't want tiny homes to have any space in my market. Yeah, but do our, well, I guess they still do pretty good. Dude, right now, say. like right now, RVs have never been hotter. Really? After after COVID, everybody want every. I mean, what were you doing when you're stuck in your house? You're trying to plan out where you were going to go. The Fighting first place you my go. wife. <laughs> Just kidding. Aside, aside from the obvious, right? Like yelling at our kids, right? All that Hitting kind of stuff, them. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. Everybody was trying to figure out where was the first place they were going to go, right? When when they could actually go somewhere again. Which who knows if travel will ever be the same when it what it was, right? But a lot of people I think here domestically. I, I think it will be. But regardless, I think if you look at things for the most part, especially in the urban areas, I would imagine, like I think of those cities like Detroit or mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever worked in like Chicago or any of those, you know, really like beaten down communities that just homes are vacant, burning yep. down like what a great way to like, like Detroit, I know they have a lot of really cool like green initiatives to kind of like get the city going again. What a freaking cool way. Sell the property for a thousand bucks and put a tiny home on it, but well, I, let them have it there permanently. Yeah. Like it, what a really quick way to make a neighborhood like sweet again, vibrant again, right? Are there a lot of tiny homes that do, that are permanent, that they don't move? Yeah. There, it, it's become a much bigger thing with people putting in tiny home communities for veterans, for homeless people, for all those kind of things, right? There's a lot of initiatives that are fantastic. 
Uh, college that, kids. Yeah. Just uh, there are so many ways that affordable housing is needed. College kids are great. Even veterans and homeless people and I mean, there's there's a million different reasons why you need a place to stay just to lay your head. I should be able to like buy a property, flatten it out, pave it, right? It, with connections or not, right? Like you know, yeah, gas, like water and sewer. Just just a place where I can say, hey, for twenty bucks a night or whatever. Yep. I'm a I'm a tiny house, you know, tourist destination. Yep. It, or I'm a tiny house parking lot for college students. Like bring your tiny houses. I'm close to campus. I don't know. I just think that why wouldn't we want? Because they're they're good looking. They're they're, they're would pleasing be, to the eye, right? I I don't know. I think there's so have hundreds many of people right now. I mean, I get hit up on Facebook and Instagram and every social media platform there is asking for a place to park a home. They want a tiny home, but they can't find a place to park it, and they don't want to live in an RV park or KOA, which I get. That's like you, crazy. You I just, totally would buy a tiny house to put my dark driveway just to Airbnb it. Yeah. Like, what a cool way to make some extra money. Wow. Or just for my in-laws to sleep in. There's a lot of resorts, especially in <laughs> southern Utah, man. Andrew, it's a joke, okay? We're in-law, like we're brother-in-laws, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And so he's worried that my in-laws just heard that. <laughs> I love my in-laws. We'll cut that out. It's just kind of a general joke in America, right? <laughs> hey, man, I got I got in laws. My wife's one of eleven kids. Like, I, holy eleven? Moly. Yeah, she's oh, number eight of eleven. I'm Christmas I'm five guys. of five, and she's eight of eleven. Holy crap! Yeah, they're not getting in a tiny house. Mm. What'd they say? My in laws? Yeah, oh, like, they hated like it. when you were uh, like, so they're down. They, Divorce them. <laughs> yeah, they were, they, I don't think they were quite that bad, but I'm sure they questioned it, and uh, I'm sure she got calls from her sisters all the time, being like, "What is? What is this?" Tell us about that first time you kind of st- stuck your nose up at him. Just like, yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Maybe like I, uh, two years uh, in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not them in, not, not them in particular, because they never said anything to me directly. Uh, I'm well, sure they, they never do. My wife. They never do. It's passive uh, aggressive or through someone else. But to a lot of guys that I used to work with, the like at Vivint in particular, right? Like there was a lot of guys I used to work You're with. like, listen, bro. Yeah. Obviously listen, bro. Cool. Just buy a G-Wagon. Don't start the business. Yeah. No? Yeah. That's how it goes. Totally. Or a Tesla nowadays. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I drive a diesel truck. Like, so I Tesla's love it, not going to be You and I thing, are going to be good friends. I can tell. <laughs> uh, You're my type of people. But they were all they were all giving me crap. There's like, every, literally everyone there laughed at me. Everyone laughed at me. Wow. Because it wasn't a thing, right? And everyone's right. like, if you're going to go start your own business, like, go start a business, but do something someone's heard of before. Not, is, not some random thing. I, I would dare say this is one of the better stories we've had. Like, we've had some awesome stories on here. But as far as, like, getting ahead of the curve, taking a, I would say it's a bigger risk than most people we'll take because nobody knows about field. it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Even still today, we're like, I still don't quite know what tiny houses are. I know that they're tiny well, that, houses. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it is that it is right. still it is still open to suggestion, right? Like, it doesn't have to be in one little box of what this really is. You'll and it can be something books. different to you than, than everybody else. Yeah. Well, and I like that. I feel like a lot of the tiny house movements have a nonprofit like feel about them, which is awesome, right? But there's also that place for people that want to really build something cool and custom and their own, right? Yeah. So, like, what's like an average cost of what you build? Uh, ours is about sixty-five to seventy-five thousand. The most okay. expensive we've done is one hundred and forty thousand. See, that's a lot cheaper than I thought they would be. Looking at the pictures, so like what? What takes it from seventy 
to 140 because typically in a house what does that is size jetted, square footage jetted yep. bathtub right but like in a, such a small space like what Dude, else, it's like, been done it's been oh, done I, know, I, know. Like, I just it's I crazy know. that in 399 square feet you can go from 70,000 to 140,000 off grid is a big part toilet. of that so oh, okay. solar, solar systems you're still spending which here's the solar is great I'm just not a huge fan of them in tiny homes because you're spending 15 to 20 grand on a solar system. The art, the reason you sign a 20 year PPA, a power purchase agreement right. for your solar system is because that's usually how long it takes to recoup your cost in your house, right? Yeah. right? You're buying the same size solar system for a house that's less than a third of the size. You're using less than 15% of the kilowatt hours you'd use on your residential home and you're still spending 20 grand on your solar system. The, the amount, the ROI is never going to pencil. Yeah, sick of a diesel generator you can get for... 25% of that? Dude, we've done some. We had a family that uh, a few years ago, it was a it was a 40-foot-long, 10-foot-wide tiny home that was completely off-grid. It had a 6.5-kilowatt system. Their house had burned down in Santa Rosa in the fires that were there. No way. So everybody there had – you had three years to live in whatever you wanted on your property while you rebuilt your house. So they wanted a tiny house. So we, this was just a couple. Their kids were older. It already moved out, so it was just for them. But it was – it was a $120,000 tiny house. Like it was completely off grid, huge solar system, huge backup battery. Uh, they still wound up doing a generator as backup to that as well on site. But we had to trench a couple of hundred feet for lines, for water lines and everything else for them just to get to water tanks because they couldn't put in a septic. And I mean, it was just, it was nuts. But it was, everything was custom. There was real wood throughout the entire house, the rafters, a five foot wide beam. Wow. Uh, you got skylights all over the place. Tile everywhere, um, engineered bamboo flooring, uh, a, cu- a custom hood, copper hood for your range, like over your your range. Like just this is like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean it was crazy <laughs> high end, right? But it what's was just crazy to me? We should have like a parade of homes for tiny homes. One hundred percent. And what's crazy to me is they're doing all of that. Yeah, like yeah, your you house, know. you're going to have fifty different contractors come in to do each little thing, right? Like yep. all houses that are built. Yep. The fact that you guys know how to do all of that, that's crazy. I mean, a lot of it was trial and error, man. Like, it's not like you just walk in and you're like, all right, sweet, oh, that sure. turned out. It well, YouTube perfect. helps. Uh, but you're right. Like, yeah. That I mean, but after six years, I mean, I imagine in your own house now, it's like something breaks. You can just fix it. Yeah. It, which it, it, I definitely did not grow up that way. Like, my dad was that way. He could fix anything, right? Right. But growing up myself, like when I first got married... If, if, you know, something was wrong with the faucet, I was just like, oh, man, that Your sucks. Your wife thinks you're so hot, by the way. She loves it. They love it when you can fix stuff. Sure. Sorry, Jen. Or. Sorry, Jen. There's a lot of good things, too. You don't <laughs> fix it, but you can pay to fix stuff. That's hot, too. Right? It's just in the middle where you don't want to be. Yeah. It's no man's land. I think that's fascinating because that stuff is not easy to do, especially when you're talking about beam work, finished carpentry. Like you're not just doing. Do you ever? You're not just in? framing. You're you're doing molding and yeah, everything I mean, else, everything. Uh, and I literally I started helping him when we did that first one. I was helping him with the flooring. That was it. That was the only thing I felt confident enough in right. that I could literally just tongue groove snap boring right. know, boards in, and that was it. Um, and then I wound up just little by little doing everything I could, and most of it was out of necessity. Like we just needed to get something done. Right. So just jump out in the shop and so like how many people figure it out? Like so you can do so I come to you today, I'm like, hey dude, I want a tiny house. Mm-hmm. Realistically six weeks from now I can have one? No. It depends. You're in line, brother. It, yeah, right right now You're it's it's a little further out. It's about four months. Okay. Well that's uh, not bad. But it depends on the kind you want. Like yeah. there's so I, I do my own still and then I also got into shipping container homes and the park models. 
So I have a couple different ones that build for me as well. Okay. Um, and then when I have time, I'll do like the projects I want to do myself. Okay. I'll do those myself. But like oh. how many, like how many people are working on a tiny house like to get it done? Oh man. Uh, typically the teams are about eight, eight to 10. Okay. Ooh, and, they have to get along. Yeah. It's a small only, workspace. And you can only have <laughs> yeah. about four people in there at a time. Oh man. Why is it so hard or is it getting easier to get like a crew or people for those jobs? Uh, because it is still a little unknown. Like guys don't know. And when you're doing a jack of all trades, like when you do everything, guys want to be able to, to specialize in a field, right? Yeah. Like whether it's it's stonework or cabinetry or tile or flooring, whatever it is. Well, they want building just, the way it is right now, it's yeah. probably hard to find good people because they're all so busy. Yeah. And everybody can just go do whatever they want. Like if they don't like the job they're on, they'll just walk away and go find something else tomorrow. Ugh. Such so a crazy true. world. My dad's a general contractor, and I don't know how he put up with it this long. It, it's nuts, but that that's one of the other reasons I wanted to get into being able to mass produce, more of a product line. Right. So I wanted to have every option, because a lot of what I'm trying to do right now are affordable housing projects, not just one home at a time. So I have one in Moab, for example, I'm working on for 10 homes on two acres, five units an acre. They're going to be anywhere from 600 square feet to 1,200 square feet, because in Moab in particular, they don't have a listing under 300 grand. <laughs> House built in the 40s. Less than, oh my you know, gosh. 0.20 as far as acreage goes, and it's 410 grand. Wow. There's just... This is the type of thing where you go to like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, buy 100 acres for 50 grand, and just put a tiny house on it. <laughs> yeah. And you just drive it up there when you want to go up there, right? You don't even have to like build a house on it. Yeah. Right? And you already will have the right truck for living in Wyoming. <laughs> Your big dually platinum... F three fifty, but yeah, that's really interesting because that's. But see, it'll get to the point where tiny houses are going to be the same way. Oh, it already is. There's a lot of custom tiny house builders that are right. charging one hundred fifty grand for what should be about a hundred. Well, and I guess the other thing you're fighting is are a lot of these codes, right? Where yep. you can't stay on a property more than ninety days. So, I mean, if I if I roll this into my own property and hook it to a septic tank mm -hmm. because it's on wheels, I can't leave it there. Permanently. You, can't, you can't rent it out. Like you could, I mean, you can park it there, right? Okay. Like just everybody so parks their RV or anything else. You can park it there. Okay. You just can't legally rent it out. Okay. But I can live in it. No, you can't live in it either. That is some, oh, <laughs> oh man. This is pissing me off. If it's, is that if like it's your that primary, everywhere? Uh, a lot of places. Like if it's your primary residence, right? Like say you had your, your brother was going to move into your backyard. Right. You can't have someone living in that full time or as a, as a rental. What if it's the only house on the property? Like it is my primary residence. I own the property. Uh, so then a tiny home most likely just wouldn't the land just the land. Yeah. I own the land. Then a tiny home wouldn't, they wouldn't even let you put it on there. Oh, like a tiny home on wheels. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't pull up to a rent. Like I can't just go buy a lot, even in like Eagle mountain or somewhere, right? Like I can't just go buy a lot, throw a tiny home on wheels on it, hook it up to utilities and call it my permanent residence because oh, it either doesn't freak. meet minimum square footage. It's not built to IRC code. They don't have a way to inspect it because they don't know what code it's built to. The city, the city doesn't get paid is really what it comes down so to. So really what that means is none of us own anything. The government does. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> <So bad. laughs> but it's true. Like if I, if I pay cash, right, cash for five acres somewhere, let's say it's not even like – what if it's not even like a registered city? What if it's just like yeah, – If you get in the county, it's, it's much easier, easier to do. Yeah. That's the trick, right? Yeah. Interesting. So huh. Have, what is like the financial side of it? So 
do they appreciate like how is, is there a big resale market yeah, for it's tiny homes? Hand, right? as crazy it is they had like i looked at it um and i kind of treated it like an rv or a travel trailer or a car right like it has a vin number it's on wheels you're not really accruing mileage other than axles if you want to replace those but i just assumed it was a depreciating model like i just figured it was like a car no but way. we've we've had we've only had a few people that have resold theirs we probably had five or six and everyone has made money on their home when they've turned around and sold it. Even though there's no land it's attached to, nothing. It's just a house. Well, especially with demand, right? I mean, if you have yep. to wait a while to build one. Yeah. Is that what it is? It's just the cost to build them have gone up so you can sell one? The, the is that cost what has it gone is? up. The time has gone up. You know, people are booked. And there aren't as many tiny house builders across the country as there are for your typical residential options. Is it so becoming you're, you're more limited? Is it becoming more crowded, that space? Yeah. And once once there's really financing, so if there is a you know Wells Fargo, Bank of America, or anybody else, rush. then you're gonna have you're gonna have real builders that have been around that are gonna jump into that market, right? Like there, and I don't see why you wouldn't. It makes sense. I would. Why are you starting a finance company? I've been working on it, man. Like it's not. <laughs> I know this a is guy. not a new. This is not a new idea. Uh, we call the Ventus Wealth. Yeah, yeah, I've heard Pretty that. Smart some, people. some dude. Yeah, they know some rich dudes. Um, I mean, because realistically. Anyway, sorry. I'm there. No, well, so I think much this is a fascinating it, conversation. It's where, it's where the market needs to go. Yes. And whoever is the first, th- there are say, a couple of options. Financing. There's there's a couple people that, that you know, they say they offer financing, but it winds up being RV financing, which is typically five to seven years on a yeah. note. Interest rates aren't bad. Like they'll start off at four and a half, five and a half percent, depending on who you're going through. And you're 10 to 15, 20% down, which isn't bad either. The problem is for most tiny house builders, you don't get paid until the house is built. Yep. So they need a construction loan. Yep. Right. They need something because they can't float that that paper uh-huh. for materials and labor for, even if it's just for six weeks. Especially now, like after after right. COVID, right? Like it's even worse. So well, if you ever try to ramp up, you, their scale is out the window. Yeah. Like there is no option for that for sure. The the other caveat to it is for RV financing because you can't legally live in an RV anywhere full time. You can't sell your home as a residential home. You have to sell it as an RV. So a lot of builders go and get their RBA certification, which is basically a $6,000 bill. And you promise in your note that you sign up for with the RBA that you will not sell a home that's going to be lived in full time. Oh my so, gosh. So even the manufacturers are in on this crap? Yeah. So they're all, oh. they're like, there's just loophole after loophole. And everyone, like I said, it's still the wild west. Like everybody's still trying to get this figured out. So how come a manufactured home can be dropped on a property and that counts? Because it's hooked up to city utilities, and even though it's on wheels, they take it off, they take the tongue off, and then they skirt it. Have you thought about doing that? Yeah, I have some that do that. Like park model like RVs do that. Yeah. <laughs> it just slides off the back. Yeah, just that would be right awesome. off the back of that bad boy. Put a big old fat winch on the front when you're ready to go. You just winch it back on. Dude, we've done that with uh, with decks on the side of tiny homes. We put a winch on that bad boy really? so they'll travel down the road with a deck built on the side, so it covers the windows. And then when you get there, drop that bad boy down, unhook it, and you have a permanent deck. See, so that would solve the problem. You wouldn't even have to take the tires off. You just drop the deck yeah. down. Nobody would even know it's on yeah. a trailer. Oh, loopholes. See, I dig it. It's it's definitely it's it. crazy, man. And the more the more into it it gets, like the more popular it gets with TV shows and and everything else, the crazier it gets. Even though the code is trying to move in that direction. You only adopt the code once every three years. How has nobody contacted you for a TV show? Or I, have that was my next question. I, I've actually done a couple episodes for Tiny House Nation, um, and I've had a few people that I've talked to about doing a TV show. You'd I be just, great on TV. <laughs> you got the voice, the look. You're tall, like you're a nice guy. Thank you. Like great Bye-bye. story. Yeah, I, I know some people. I'm gonna. 
I my pilot didn't get picked up, but they were I this so well I can guarantee I you if I, get, if I get a company, TV show, dude, Bam Bam is going to be on there. Yes, I can I'll guarantee build the that. Smokers in, yeah. But yeah, no, these guys are all HGTV travel network, food, cooking. Yeah, like anyway, Grill Hay, right? Yeah, like her show, right? Uh-huh. Right. So we yeah. were we were doing a show together. Okay. Like it was like this close, but um, but yeah, her show just launched, which is awesome. But yeah, I would think a production company like them would be all over what you guys are doing. I've uh, I know a few producers at HGTV. Like we've talked. It's never gotten serious because right. I'm you know I'm not all over the place, but I am. Right now, it's literally just my wife and I that are that are doing. Like, I don't have a team but that see, does that Instagram for up, me or anything in else. Of like, itself it's just, is like you already have a huge following. So you manage all your own Instagram. You do all the stuff. Huh? Wow. They follow me. <laughs> just happened today. I was pretty excited. Dude, I've been. Uh, are you talking about Bam Bams? <laughs> yeah. 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 Followed you right back. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to build my twelve hundred square dude, foot tiny home. Dude, pork nachos. I'm a huge fan. Squatch yes. Nachos, all right, yes. we're gonna have to do some trade. Right so payment. What have been like the biggest learning curves? I mean, like, have there has there been times where you just like turned out a house and was like, oh crap, that I can't even sell that? Uh, yeah. So for us, we were, we were, I mean, we were building all custom homes, right? So it was, we weren't building any spec homes to sell. Uh, but there were definitely times where we would deliver home, and then a water line would break or something would happen, right? Like something that you go through all this inspection process, you think it's perfect. And when you're building it, like, you know, it's never perfect because you see every little thing, uh, every nail hole that wasn't, fin- you know, finished nail or whatever that wasn't covered up or puttied or painted over again or whatever. Um, but there have definitely been a few times where something has happened and we freak out because obviously the customer calls and they're upset and something has to change and we have to fly out to California or somewhere to go fix something. Uh, the hardest one was we had a home shipped to Cape Cod and the driver was sleeping in the home on the way out. <coughs> He, what? He's he like a DoorDash driver on steroids, eating your, <laughs> eating your nachos. He broke into the house because oh we didn't God. give him the keys, right? Like we were not going to give the driver the keys because we, we we have a shipping company that would ship it out there because it was 10 feet wide. It needed a pace car. It needed all kinds of special permits. He was bra- He broke into the house, broke the Murphy bed desk that we had built in there because it was locked as well. So it wouldn't come down during during shipping, right? So he broke the lock to pull the bed down. He shows up to drop it off to the lady because um, the customer was the one who was, who was paying for half the shipping. So, and he tells her, I'm not going to give you the key to that. Like you can't get into the house. I'm not unhooking it from my truck until you pay me. And she just paid him. And then he unhooked and bolts. She walks into the house, Murphy beds busted. The washer dryer combo unit is, has fallen over on his face. Um, there's just stuff scratched up all over the house. Like he just, he went berserk. I don't even know how to explain it. Like I, and she calls obviously upset. Like you just ordered this house. She hadn't even come out here to YouTube. Like we'd never actually seen each other face to face, but she had ordered this home and it was a custom home. So it was Cape Cod too. It's like, you're not sending it to just Joe Schmo. Yeah. <laughs> this Cape, it's, it's wow. Do you, so, do you ship most of your houses? Yeah. Huh? The, this one in particular. So the transport companies are loving you guys. That's a whole, yeah, they're, extra I mean, it's, line of, it's a whole nother market that they're, right. they're just getting into. And there's a lot of people that have gotten, and it makes sense. I mean, it's one more thing that you can just hook up to and take off with. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. The bumper pole? Yes. No bumper pole. <laughs> that's a crazy bumper pole. Uh, it, I mean, it happens, so but crazy. yeah. Wow. Uh, Andrew. That was <laughs> bumper pole. Yep. Did I pull that with my minivan? I was, uh, I, was just, I was checking the specs on the rotary girder. Just 
Did I catch we a can't, niner in we there? We can't say the last part of that excellent line anymore. Nope. Oh, man. Yeah, see, that's crazy that people, I mean, that is a really heavy bumper pull is when you're just like most of our truck hitches are just out of the bottom of the bumper, right? Yeah. A gooseneck is when it goes into the back of your pickup truck, yeah. which distributes the weight better. Makes it a shorter overall pull. Like the big old food truck I have out there, that's a gooseneck. And it just makes it easier to turn and maneuver. And I mean, generally, you don't have any bumper pull anything. They're over like maybe 12,000 pounds. Usually, uh, yeah, I mean, you switch to gooseneck, to. right? Yeah. But maybe people just don't like the look of the... We, we've had a few. Like that one in particular was 30 feet long, 10 feet wide, and it was a bumper pull. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Because they they just they want that look. They want a very. That's true, and look. I and I get that. I get that. Having that big old gooseneck out the front would kind of make it a little bit of an eyesore. But I'm I'm a fan of it because that gooseneck gives you a stand up bedroom. Like you get six and a half feet of standing room and a gooseneck. That's a great point because you can build out over it, just yeah. like RVs do. So you extend that deck. Normally, that deck is only seven feet long. Sometimes you'll extend that out to eight, nine, or ten feet, depending on how much closet space or how big of a room you right. want. But in a loft space, you're normally maxed out at four, maybe four and a half feet of height. So you're still kind of crawling around in a loft right. space. And a gooseneck, you get six and a half feet of standing room. Doesn't matter if it's an A-frame. I mean, it doesn't matter how you slant that roof. You wow. can still get that. So I'm a huge fan for that reason because being not short. <laughs> right, right. I like being able to stand some up options. every once in a while. Yeah. So when you travel, do you... Are you always traveling to little you know, t- tiny hut park, tiny home resorts? Uh, a lot of times, yeah. Just to yeah. check them out, see what's going on? Yeah. So a lot of them, um, that was kind of the Instagram side of this whole thing was people um, in the very beginning, a few, I mean, that was probably five years ago. When I started doing the whole tiny house movement Instagram page, it started off as just promoting my own stuff, like yeah. our own tiny homes, right? And then I realized there are so many other amazing tiny homes that people are building. I want to be able to promote those as well. And then I just went to all the builders and said, just let me do this. It's not going to cost you anything. Like, just let me do this. I'll, I'll white label it as your own still. Just let me promote it. Let me let me build the movement. That's yeah. kind of the idea. Uh, so everybody started sending me their pictures. And we're like, hey, just this is our house. Promote it. See what you got. And people started eating it up. Wow. So how often are you posting your own stuff then? Uh, a couple times a week. Okay. So, like, how many houses will you kick out in 2020? Um, I mean, we were we were kind of messed over for a little bit, but um, our goal this year is 60 homes. Next year, uh, because we're we're trying to do a lot with container homes next year for 2021 as well. We're trying to do about 300 next year. Oh wow! Dang, those containers are all the rage. So I had a buddy; he built his office out of containers. Mm-hmm. I think so, awesome. so he got like a huge warehouse and then got a whole bunch of old containers and just stacked them in different spots. So cool. And now has like his old office. Like, How about yep, like efficiency? Yeah. So, well, let's talk about the tiny homes first. You know, insulation, efficiency. I imagine that's a pretty big factor. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a big question. Depending on where you're living, those need to be rated differently. Right. Um, but for most of them, we'll just build that to whatever that code needs to be for where you are based on what the snow load is in your region the roof is going to be sloped to a certain degree. Most of them we try and do at a 112 or 212 pitch just to give you as much headroom as possible in the loft. Um, but normally you wind up with an R value of 30 in the ceilings and then 15 in the walls and then 35 to 40 in the floor. And what is standard in a home? Residential here in Utah, there's there's three different ones depending on the area of Utah for the amount of snow load. But normally code is 14 for the walls and 30 for the ceiling and floors. 
So, I mean, you're right there or yep. higher. Uh-huh. Wow. And in that small of a space? That's you're, I amazing. mean, you're still building with two by fours and two by sixes for trusses right. for the ceiling. The flooring, you have a four inch gap between the bottom of the trailer has a galvanized, you know, like this part of the desk would be a metal pan. And then from there, you have your studs, your beams that are 16 on center that go across the trailer. So in between each one, you can use spray foam or you can use a polyiso sheet. There's lots of different insulation for that. But you fill that entire cavity to prevent that thermal bridging so the floor right. never gets cold. And then you throw the subfloor down on top of that. So our values aren't aren't that hard to get. It just all depends on where it's going as to what you want it to be. Anybody put radiant heat in the floor yet? Yeah, we've done that a couple times. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Oh, my God. But that, that's why, like, it's not always – we have some that are, you know, that are six figures, right, for tiny homes. Right. And you, it makes sense. Logically, you're like, how does somebody spend six figures on 400 square feet? You're like, dude, it happens oh, quick. Oh, it's easy. It could be easy. It happens quick. So do you ever get, like, the purists that say you shouldn't be doing because you don't live in one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I get, I get, I mean, the first question people ask, right? Is like, what kind of tiny home do you live in? I don't, I don't live in a don't tiny shower. home. don't <laughs> shower. <laughs> they usually are barefoot. <laughs> they smell. Just kidding. There's, uh, uh, that, that's actually not a joke. That is absolutely. Oh, it isn't a joke. That's, that's I, I, I very totally, real. totally see that. Um, no, there's, uh, one of the TV shows that we did, one of the hosts is a naturalist. Oh, yeah. And did not shower. Ugh. Um, and I have no idea how his co-host. And he was super judgmental about it too. Like he was, he was a cool guy. Like there wasn't anything. Oh, that's good. But it was just, it was definitely interesting because I'd never met anybody in person uh, that lived their lifestyle that way. But he lives in a tiny home and is a naturalist and just that's his thing wow. and loves it. I didn't get it. I, have I don't a hard time get with it, like but, why naturalists have to be smelly. Like like why can't you sh- just he doesn't get shower, in the man. river and take a bath? Like cowboys did it. They live out in the field. I mean, soap's been right? around for a while, right? Like, uh, dude. Uh, anyway, it's so funny. It's like it's like a rite of passage to be smelly if you're a naturalist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you probably do deal with some characters in that whole world. Of course, you're building stuff that probably helps you stay away from some of it because I think people are wanting something a little bit more. Because that's the thing. I think the tiny house thing is really cool, but it's even cooler if you don't have to sacrifice the things that we love about our homes right yeah like the luxury side of it yeah that's what i'm saying like yeah the amenities yeah and you can afford to have those really nice like most people can't afford to put radiant heat in their floors yeah right but But if you're only doing 500 square feet yeah like all of a sudden you can have something that only like the rich people have right well same i mean same thing for all the materials in your tiny home right like your countertop space you typically have less than 15 square feet of countertop space in your tiny home so you when you go find of, like a slab somewhere and throw something, yeah, nice you get in remnants there. of yeah. some awesome granite or something you want to throw in there. Like it's a little bit heavier, but it's going to hold up well. It's not going to crack. And you yeah. get that stuff just scratch and dent. Like we have an yeah. extra little piece of this kicking uh-huh. around that was some extra. Yep. And man, you can. Same you, thing on flooring, man. Like if you're covering 400 square feet, and normally when you're paying four or five dollars a square foot, that's a big deal. To you know, and you bring up a good point. So I would also imagine that the materials are getting better and better for what you're doing yeah like you think of like tracks you think of some of the stuff that they're coming out with that are lighter like the lvp like more element proof lp siding i mean i think of the floor that i put in here when i because we kind of flipped this place and it was just that snap together laminate crap but it is held up yeah it's waterproof it is had thousands upon thousands of people walking on it and it's barbecue so they're heavier people normally 
But and you might I mean, spell something out again. Well, yeah, and it's held up amazing. So I mean, I, I would imagine also the same thing goes for tiny homes. Where how do you kind of keep up with that? How do you keep up with new? And are you keeping up on? Yeah. That? So that that's honestly what I do the majority of the time. Like when I am on social media, uh, besides just answering questions and comments and trying to talk to as many people as possible, the reason. <laughs> So as, as I mentioned in the beginning, I typically try to keep my face off of everything. Like I want it to be right. about the homes, right? Like it's not about me. Um, we have somebody that would convince you otherwise of that, <laughs> by the way. Her name is Anna McFarland. Uh, is, I do that for two reasons. One, I, I couldn't care less if anybody knew who I was or what it was. Right? That's, it's not about me. It's about the homes themselves. The other is I want, it, I want the brand to be about the homes. And because of that, I get to spend time researching new products and new things I could put in a tiny home right. versus having to worry about where my face is and who I'm talking to and that kind of stuff. Like it just for me, it makes sense in my head. Devil's advocate. Yeah. Like your story is so good and people, I mean, that's what marketing is, right? It's this like people want to connect to that story and you being around so long, you're well-spoken. Like you definitely have a passion about it. So I would argue, listen, I'm, talking to myself here because i really suck at it i'm too. ready to hear what i hate it <laughs> but i mean it's what i hear all the time i was really surprised like during covid when i really needed to get on there and explain you know these kind of just trying to be creative and get the food out to people there was really no other way to do it than me just put my fat face on there and just talk yeah but i couldn't believe how many like compliments and comments i had that's just like it's so nice seeing you on here so cool what you're doing blah 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 so Maybe at least in your stories. Like, I, I think that would be so cool to see you installing something like a copper hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even just stuff like that. I think it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> 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 Have, having to patina that thing the right way and then installing it without scratching Crap. the whole wall up. Man, that, was, that one in particular was, was a huge pain. I can't So, imagine. your social account, I mean, did it take off pretty quickly? Because I mean, it's huge now. I mean, you're up over yeah. six hundred thousand people. It's uh, so like right now, it's it's gaining an average of, of a little over hundred thousand on an annual basis. Um, in the beginning, I did just what what I had to. Like, I wasn't buying followers. I, I still have never done any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to collaborate with everybody that was kind of in that space. So I went and started talking to cabin pages and vacation pages, and DIY pages, outdoor pages, brands, all that kind of stuff. Just to, to say, hey, I want to kind of feature some of my tiny homes on your page, and I love some of the stuff you feature on yours. And basically, you're kind of doing a shout-out for shout-out, kind of a trade for trade, right? And that was that was how it grew in the very beginning. It was a grind. Like, it was a serious grind. I spent easily five hours a day just DMing people on Instagram going oh. through that. That was kind of the beginning of that side of it, right? So I'd, I'd, I'd be eight to ten hours at work, and then when I came home, get everybody in bed, spend another four or five hours that the right there is what people don't realize oh, it takes. They're like, oh, he's got a cool house. He probably does a post. Like it's, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same with anything else, right? Like your overnight success is usually a five or 10 year story. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, there's no such thing, right? Yeah. That's, that's We've learned that a lot on this on this podcast. Just these people that kind of seemingly come out of nowhere. Yeah. Right? They have a 10 year backstory generally. Yeah. The, the one time I've posted something uh, and it's taken off when I really didn't deserve anything for it was on TikTok. Like I, I have a house, I have a builder out of Vegas that made this prototype of this house that unfolds wow. and I featured it on there and it got 10 million hits and I went from like 200 likes to 25,000 or something like that, right? Like followers, right? TikTok is Literally, literally TikTok overnight is, on TikTok. It's a, you have one good video, you're... you're 
that, it, you blow it, up. It's a whole different world, man. That was it. Literally, that was it. Like that one video. I had maybe 300 followers before that, and I woke up in the morning, and it was like 4 million oh. views or something like that. And all of a sudden, I had 20-something thousand followers, and I was like, what do I do with this now? Like, I, Great. What do high school kids want to watch? Oh, my gosh. So what is your focus then? Are you still focused on Insta? Do you try to do all yeah, the I, uh, I mean, Insta is definitely still by far bread and butter. I'm, uh, more than half of my business both for brand deals that, that we do and for just tiny homes in general comes through Instagram. It's not even close. Uh, but, but I branch your, out. Like, you don't even have like a website on there. No, no. I, like I have mine. It's just tinyhousemovement.co.co, right? But I don't, dude, I I have more projects than than I can handle personally, right? Like I'm not trying to, to promote my stuff so I can bring more stuff in the door. I'm trying to help bring some validity to the whole movement in general to bring in things like financing and places to put tiny homes. Like that's I say that I mean that in and of itself is. I but mean, that's what's so cool. I mean, how many? There's so few people that are willing just to be giving, right? Just creating the value out there and hoping to help everybody else out. Co giver. Yeah, it's weird. It's a book. Uh, it's a book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's a we'll bu- call it we'll call we it bumper about, pole, dude. Yeah, we'll call it bumper pole. Bumper pole. We're gold. The go giver and the bumper puller. Yeah. No, we so, talk about the go giver a lot. Just at like you know, you add value to everybody else, and it always comes back to you. Like this week, you'll have a finance company, which I'm really excited about. Dude, I finance I've, your own. I've been incredibly blessed in my life. Like I didn't grow up in a hard situation. You know, like I, I grew up well, kind of like your Baker, American Baker's, Bakersfield. It was, it was but, Bakersfield. You know, but I moved Baker's there when I was six, good. and that was you know that was it. <laughs> My life was all downhill from there. <laughs> uh, but I, w- I w- you know, I've been incredibly lucky and blessed in my life, uh, just kind of from every facet with that. So for me, the affordable housing side is such an enormous problem, not just in our country, in our state, but worldwide. Like people just, right. they can't find a place to live for a reasonable Do you know who we need to put together with him is Becky Pickle. That's, that's a, I keep thinking about it. Have you heard of Becky Pickle? I don't know who Becky Pickle is. She might be the most boss. She's woman like the OG. Really? So she's all over like the, uh, the road home, right? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. She's yeah, the yeah. Utah. She's the, so she's like the president now. of okay. it. Yeah. So she's all about so like. She owns two or three Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Which okay. if you own Yeah, that's two, not a small thing. You're a big, big, I mean, just to own one is a massive deal. Just to own one as a woman is a much even more massive deal, but she owns two and she is one of the best people that you've like, and you know, we hadn't heard of her. But who who got her in bet was it Betsy? Betsy, of course. Betsy's amazing. But um, but yeah, like she is so passionate about homeless, you mm-hmm. know, helping out the homeless, and and yeah, she, now she's over the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Since the whole Rio Grande thing went down, but yeah, two years ago. So I did a present. I've done a couple presentations for for a couple of cities and planning and zoning commissions and that kind of stuff for here in Utah. Um, and two years ago, I literally tried to donate a tiny home to Salt Lake city for homeless just to have them do it. And they told me no because, Why? because they didn't have a place that they could put it permanently. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm like, I'm having this phone call and I'm just, I'm laughing. I'm like, you get, this is a joke, right? Like you can't seriously be this, this dumb. Like I literally, it's a place for somebody to live. Like, you, you really won't take the home. No, we can't. We don't have a place that we can put it. I can't just put it in a parking lot or something else. I'm like, I don't know how to help you guys. Like I don't know how to help you. I'm trying to give you a home, and you won't even take it. See, I could see the containers being really cool for that, right? The the containers are by far the easiest to mass produce. So what is so? What is a container home? 
it's it's taking so i use brand new containers uh i actually got hooked up with when you say container what are you talking shipping container okay so the there's a couple different sizes that are standard right like 20 feet long eight feet wide a high cube is nine and a half feet tall versus eight feet tall i use a 40 foot long version of that so it's a 40 foot high cube um and i'm having them built for that not not taking recycled containers used containers because shipping containers ship a lot of drugs Dude, the, sh- the shadiest business oh, I have dude. ever seen in my entire life. I have no doubt. Uh, especially when it comes to international. We we wound up, I got hooked up with, you guys know Richie Norton? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I got hooked up with Richie a couple years ago at a social media convention here in Provo. Uh, and we got to talking. And the next day he showed up in my shop and was like, hey, so we can mass produce these in China. I was like, yeah, I'd, I've heard that a million times, dude. Have a nice life. Like. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. And he's like, no, seriously, we can do it. Just come with us to China and check it out. And I was like, I don't want to go to China. Why would I want to go to flipping China for it, man? Like, I could see a shipping container across the parking lot. I don't need to go to China. So two weeks later, I was in China. <laughs> I was and say, you're talking and, to Richie. Yeah. Like, yeah, good. So I'm I'm there, and I, I wind up being like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Like, I walk into this place, and they're building 300 new containers a day. Unreal. Just in this, and this isn't even their biggest facility. This this one company accounts for almost 85 percent of every container on the planet. They just, they're an enormous conglomerate. And they're building container homes for Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere but the US, basically. Like they're just sending homes to. So we went over there. So they're building actual homes and not yeah. just not just the container. Nope. They're, okay. they're, they're building homes and they're stacking container apartments 15 stories high. Oh, there's a, that's how you go vertical. Yeah. With containers in particular, yeah. Wow. From a, from a structural engineering standpoint, the weight load, the payload, it can handle it. Well, that's what they're built for, Yeah. right? I mean, they're on ships. Well, yeah. I mean, check out the boat that they're sent on. They're, totally. they're 12 stories high. That's not a big deal. I hadn't thought Fo- about Like that. fully loaded and moving uh-huh. and rocking back and forth. I mean, those things have to be super strong. And you can build them to whatever spec you want. So the, the first questions they would ask are, what steel grade do you want? How do you want it galvanized? Where do you want everything? And so we just went through and designed the first one that we brought over was mine it came to my backyard and right now it's a rental property down in zion national park oh really so it's just a 40-foot container home one bedroom one bath that is so funny that you can drop a freaking container on a property and rent it out but i can't put a beautiful custom tiny home anything on wheels man for some reason it's like a whole nother ball game we got to get over ourselves (laughs) like give me a break but there, so there's there's a couple people that i use here in the u.s now as well that's uh that i build container homes with but over there, it's still the biggest the biggest problem I have with China right now, aside from I really just don't want to, you know, I'm not personally planning on going back to China anytime soon, uh, as I'm sure most people are. Why? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, you know, just not a huge fan of the color red. Right. Like I'm just not gonna... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, but they, they build as many as you can possibly handle. Like, they could easily build more than I could ever order. So what's the biggest difference... Obviously, the exterior on a tiny home versus a shipping container, but on the inside, can you make them look and feel about oh, yeah. the same? So, I mean, the biggest difference is the the container itself. It's just a hallway, right? Like it's you know, you just you have a little less as far as functionality when it gets to that. So for mine, it's just a bedroom on one end with a bathroom next to it, small hallway, and then open living room, open kitchen for kind of the the other half of the home okay. itself. And you're, you're definitely limited in the amount of floor plan options for a container home. But the inside can look exactly like any other home. I, I mean, think I it have, feels just as nice with all the amenities oh yeah. and all that stuff. So I have – there's a couple things that are actually cheaper there than there are here. So for the one I built for that that's a rental, 
I still have uh, bamboo flooring, MDF for the walls and ceiling, granite countertops, custom cabinets, real wood in there. Like it's not, Jeez. we didn't skimp on it, but it's just. What's the, what's the cost comparison? Those, I can have those built literally. So the shipping is the other crazy thing. Shipping that from China to my backyard in Lehigh was seven grand. Cool. And I have tiny homes that I ship from here. It only to cost Florida. you seven grand to get that the from shipping. China to your house. The infrastructure for containers around the world has been around forever. So that like that's that's figured out right i have tiny homes that one that the driver broke into for example that was 13 grand to ship to boston from here in utah jeez so shipping containers the infrastructure is in place whether it's by rail by boat by truck and they he just came and dropped he literally did just drop it like it slid off the back of the trailer onto my concrete pad in my backyard and then he took off and then same thing when he picked it up out of my backyard to take design just hooked it up to the crane on the back of his truck put it on the exact same slide jeez that was it it was gone so are you having them the whole house built in China and you're just shipping it finished or are you yep. bringing it so here? It's, just like it's literally turnkey. It shows up done. The only thing I added to mine in particular was the furniture, but cabinets, countertop, floor, everything was in. So there's a lot Crazy. of scale opportunity with oh, yeah. that then. Yeah. Because you're not having the bottleneck of labor and all the stuff here. Nothing. The only bottleneck right now is tariffs and taxes. Thanks, Trump. So there, there are people. I can do it here as well. I have ones. I have two different manufacturers here in the U.S. One's okay. in Idaho and one's out east. Uh, but you can absolutely do it here. Are those becoming more popular? Oh yeah. As as affordable housing continues to be an issue, and with the scalability of are it, are they starting to stack them? Uh huh. There's there's a project in Salt Lake. There's a company called EcoBox that's been trying to do it for a couple of years. Salt Lake's just been kind of a you know stick in the mud. It's, I mean, they had some crazy fire code. They wanted to burn the container for like 25 minutes to see how long it would last. I mean, just oh crazy gosh. stuff to try and get it because they wanted to put an apartment complex in of containers. Yeah. And it's taken almost three years, I think, to get to the point that the city has finally signed off on it. And it's cost the company millions in R&D because you have to go hire engineers and everybody else from all over the country to come in and prove what you already know, that it will last and that it'll meet code. And you can still do what you want to the outside of it. You can still put any faux material, any kind of stucco, any kind of wood, any kind of stone. You can still do whatever you want to the outside. You wouldn't even have to know it's a container. You could even put a roof on there if you wanted yep. to. Huh. That's crazy. So it, the containers are my favorite thing right now because of the scalability. For affordable housing projects, I, containers are huge. And I might have cut you off or I already forgot. How much average cost for that? Uh the the retail on those are like 65 okay on a 40 foot container so 320 square feet okay for a 40 foot container man i'm thinking like from a humanitarian thing imagine going to like i, I serve my mission in el salvador okay and it's all just like think of going in there and just dropping a bunch of those down there just yep. little i mean they're already living in tiny tiny areas right i feel like that well, would that's be, big for some of them I mean, I mean, think about it, square yeah. footage-wise. That's what I'm saying. You could do three of those, you know, or at least a half, right? 20 foot would be more than enough space. And what do you do to make those more efficient as far as insulation, things like that? So those, you still frame out the interior. You can frame the exterior if you want. It, I mean, it all kind of depends on how you want the, right. the exterior to look. Uh, but you still frame them out with two-by-fours with studs. I typically use metal studs, so they're extruded right. studs. Uh, and then you do a spray foam insulation. Wow. For that. So you can still do whatever R values you want, depending on where it's going. That's crazy. Yeah, like snow, no problem. Yeah. Dude, I had that in my backyard for in Lehigh for the winter. That was uh, 
it just went down to Zion's in April. Yeah, I think in April. So from November to April, it was in my backyard. I didn't have any problems with it. That's crazy that... So you pay seven G's from China, and it's still way cheaper than you could do it here. Yeah, like the whole home itself finished from China was was less than forty grand, and then seven grand is shipped. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! <laughs> it is awesome, but it's like, why can't we figure that out? You know, like why, like to, to we're paying seven thousand dollars to ship it over here, and it's still thousands cheaper. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, than just building it right here. That's what, nuts. What did you have to own in Zions to drop it on there? Uh, so I have a partner down there that I promote. He has a tiny house community, rentals. Okay. All down there, and he has, I think, four different properties. So he's got, I think, 60 different types of tiny homes that are down there that he rents out. Um, so he's he's basically renting it out for me Okay. while he's down there. And, and then once that's there, like, will you move it again or will you just keep it there? My plan is to keep it there. It can be moved again. I mean, it's the simplest. Right now, it would take a crane, pick yeah. it up, because I went and put it on on skids down there in a couple of center blocks. But uh, it, it's not hard to do. It's it's less than a one-day process to pick that thing up, put but it on a truck, and leave again. What a, a way safer invent, investment, right? Yeah. You know, I think of like boom towns, like Vernal. Yeah. You know, they find natural gas. Or like Rock Springs, Wyoming. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you just all like the, the pipeline going yeah. through, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, how cool is it? And I think, like, I love Gold Rush. I watch that show all the time. Yep. And I feel like a lot of the, like, offices and stuff on the mines are containers. Yeah, those mining camps are really, really similar. Because, yeah, because you have the permanent, I mean, you could leave it there forever. It can handle the winter, all that stuff, but it's still movable. Yeah, pick it up, take off with it wherever you want. So, I mean, you could pick a great summer spot, move it for the winter. Man, Sky is the limit with those, and they don't have those icky things called tires, mm-hmm. so you can put them wherever you want. They're not so super dumb. dangerous. Right? <laughs> they don't have tires on them. <laughs> so, so what's next? I mean, what what kind of gets you excited? Is it more like the uh, like facilitating financing? Like, like yeah, I is mean, that kind of the focus? Financing or? is a huge. The two things I'm focused on right now, more than anything else, are the financing and affordable housing project. We won't get him on the podcast once he gets that financing <laughs> thing figured out. He he'll be on a whole new plane, dude. Whoever, yep. I'll tell you this: whoever does, because I've I've got numbers from every builder across the country. We, I mean, I've been working on it for a while. The market right now, just for the top 15 builders that aren't mom and pop, they're licensed and bonded, they're doing what they're supposed to. There's easily a hundred million dollars worth of loans right now, just between those fifteen builders. And that's that's not even to mention who's going to come to the market once you know it's a little more legitimatized, which isn't even a word. I don't well, think. Wasn't <laughs> well, a little more legit, whatever you want to call it. And these are all like probably very qualified people because they're paying cash for. Well, that's oh, dude, the demographics. For you know what I mean? Who, yeah, yes. Well, I was going to say, like, not to be rude, but it's a very different demographic than someone who's buying an RV or someone who's buying a trailer. Sometimes huh? you know right. what I mean. The, these are I have people that have been. They've brought they've brought a pre-approval to me for a residential home that they qualify for a half a million dollar mortgage. Can't get a seventy thousand dollar loan for a tiny home. That's great. Our lending system, our whole banking system is so dumb. Oh. Just because they don't they don't have a box they can check. Like you just they they have no idea what it's worth. And if it's a custom one, it's not something they can just go buy off the lot like an RV, right? Like if you're gonna build a custom home. They consider it a custom home, even if it's on wheels. I'm going to figure this out. So the first bank to have the balls to say we have tiny home financing, yeah, just becomes there's a nationally recognized 
I mean, whoever does. Everyone would use them. Well, yes. And, and since there's no one out there, you could put your requirements. You could you could define your buyer to be like the absolute best buyer, and it would still be a fantastic business. Yes. That's there, wild. There are people right now that are, that are trying to do it. Uh, they just haven't figured out a way. They're going to try to get every builder signed up versus worrying about who the customer is and what that process looks like. They supposedly have the funds, but then when I talk to the builders about the customers they've taken through the ringer, uh, they won't ever go back. I mean, they just they won't go back to the lender because they require way too much paperwork. They won't get back to the people. They won't process the loan fast enough, so people are looking elsewhere to go get a loan anyway. I mean, there's just – it's your typical just a horrible customer service that they won't go do it. The added benefit I have is I have the marketing built in. Like, you know, for going and getting that set up, if I throw that out tomorrow that I have legitimate tiny house financing and I'll go pick whoever builders I want to be a part of that, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's for lack of a better term, it's a monopoly that could be on the marketplace. So if any bankers are listening right now, pull your head out. No, shut up. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. No, I got this. Turn it off. <laughs> Turn your volume down. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it just seems like a totally untapped that's yeah market. Yeah. Like, that would uh, – wow. Well, and here's the thing. Sorry, I just can't stop thinking about this. You can baby can step into it. You don't have to show up with $100 million. No. No. You can, you can baby step into a couple million dollars. You're going to get the loans. You're going to get the processes down. You're going to figure out how it's going to go. That's not difficult. Why hasn't no. somebody gone on Shark Tank with just the financing side? The right. – uh, the so I've talked to a couple of different groups about it. Um, the biggest question they typically have is, what is that note going to be worth? Because they want to be able to sell it in a couple of years, right? Just like you would with the mortgage or anything else. They want to be able to sell that note. The other is the biggest question I have personally is it's not like repossessing a car if somebody doesn't pay. You can't just roll up to this thing and hook it up to your truck and take off because somebody could be living inside, right? So that that to me is the the biggest question mark. You pick them just like you do a house, right? But when it's on wheels, somebody could also take off with it. So how how to effectively have that process? I've done a, I've done I've done. I'm gonna say I would think repossessing these would be kind of easy. <laughs> I've done I've done five personally, just on homes that I've built for people that I've done loans for. Have right? you really? And I've never had a single late payment. Anything. They've all been paid off early. They've all been phenomenal. Oh, I thought you meant you. I thought you meant you repossessed five. No, no, no. I haven't. Like, that's another TV show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. If you want to start a tiny house repo show, I'm all in. Oh man, <laughs> I am all I, in on I that. I could buy a big old truck. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> yes. yes. Tiny house repossessor. We'll go get the rock, and he'll be the one that shows oh, up somebody's gosh. door. I love it. Uh, but yeah, like the the financing side has been the few that I've done personally have been phenomenal. Which I can't imagine is the case. I just I don't know what what that percentage really is as to to what the fail rate might be, right? Um, but right now, because of the demographics on who is looking for tiny homes, who wants to purchase it, I mean, there's not a better demographic of people that are looking for loans, especially at at sub 100k. Right. Well, a lot of them are putting them on second properties, probably. Yeah. And renting them out and everything. I mean, a lot of these. It's like what buying fourplexes or duplexes used to be. Yeah. Like you used you know go live in one. Right. While you're renting out the other three or the other four. Right. Pays off everything for you. This is awesome. So I can't cool. stop thinking right now. <laughs> well, I mean, what a cool way to pay for some property, right? Yeah. Buy 10 acres somewhere beautiful, like Star Valley, where land is still pretty cheap, right? And put, you know, like you said, buy four or five acres, put a container per acre. Yeah. And live in one and just Airbnb the rest. One per acre, dude, you could sack 
Listen, I'm a little higher end. Okay, Andrew? I like my space. All right? I don't want to see other containers on my acre. But I'm just saying, I mean, what would a cabin cost, you know, on that property, right? It'd be double the price of five of these container homes or tiny homes. And plus the fact that you can move them, it's kind of like food trucks, right? One of the coolest upsides of the food truck is you're not stuck in a spot that who knows what may happen, right? If every business around here closes down or if, you know, a road diverts somewhere else and people stop using State Street, you know, you're not at the mercy of your surroundings. If it's not working out, you can latch on and put it somewhere else. Especially if it is a rental. Like if you have, uh, I would think companies that have larger holdings and have properties all over the country, right? If it's seasonal. So like Bear Lake, for example, right? Like if you just want a cabin in the summer, throw one up there for three or four months. And then if you want to go head down to Zion's for the winter. What about for things like Sturgis, right? Or like big golf tournament, like the Masters, where people rent homes out for a week. Oh, dude, there was a. I actually got hit up by. It's oh moving gosh, easier what, around what to a, was like that? big events where people, you know, rent homes for the week. Yeah, yeah. Like I could also see it being really cool for that because that's a huge advantage. You can actually move them. It's. I mean, it's a unique. It's also a unique place to stay, which is why it's such a big deal. I think on social media, like Instagram in particular. It's True. because people it's see it and they're just content. like, oh, I, I want to be able to say I've stayed in a tiny house. Yeah. I want to have that experience, uh, which I recommend for anybody, especially if you're going to try to live in a tiny home, go stay in Great one for a week. Yeah. Go go try it for a week. See if you can really handle that because it is different, especially if there's more than one person. Fitting in a galley kitchen, walking side by side <laughs> when it's you know seven feet wide on the finished interior and you're having to haul stuff around or whatever, like just any any little thing like that. Go try it out for a week. Normally, like who are the people? Is it just a couple typically that lives in it? Like how often are you seeing families living in them? Yeah, the normal demographics are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. So usually it's younger couples that are just starting out, don't know where they want to finish school or what they want to do for work yet, and they just they don't want to be tied down and spend 300 grand on a starter home. They don't even know where they want to live. Yeah. And then it's it's the opposite end. It's the baby boomers that just don't want the maintenance of the yard or the house anymore and want to be able to travel. Uh, we do have a few that we've built for families that have two or three kids, but that's that's definitely a smaller part of the market than be so hard. Than, uh, than just couples. And then most of those people usually have two or three pets. Like pets are huge for tiny homes. People oh my, love to be able to travel outdoors and have, have their dogs or cats. Like we, we did one... We did one for a lady that we built on what she called a catio under her gooseneck, under under that fifth wheel section. Oh my gosh. A we catio. had to build oh. a full section so her cats could run in and out of the house because she had like eight cats. She was that lady. Oh, uh, so we had to have a catwalk from one loft to the other, uh, which I thought was a nightmare because she wanted it enclosed because she didn't want the cats to be able to fall off. I was like, what happens if a cat gets stuck in there or dies in there, like spanning that 15 feet? She's like, oh, I'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like, look, however you're living in that thing, whatever. But, um, people ask for some crazy stuff for their pets. A catio. Yeah. Wild. Pass. Hard pass. Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, man, ski resorts there. Sky really is the limit on these things. Dude, anywhere you can get, especially containers, anywhere you can get a 40 foot truck, a semi to drop something off. You can put a container house. Wow. So where can people find, like, like people listening, if they're interested, where do you want them to go? Uh, what do you want them to do? I would say you can you can either hit me up on Instagram, uh, just Tiny House Movement is the page, and you can just DM me there, um, or go, you can go to the website, just tinyhousemovement.co, 
And, and I, I go through all that stuff personally. It's literally just me and my wife that, that do that. So there's not, you know, you're not going to have to wait on hold. That's the one question I didn't there. ask. Like, were you married when you started this? Uh-huh. How, how did that conversation go? Um, we're backtracking a little bit, but I'm surprised we didn't ask that question. We talked about the in-laws and how they felt, but how, how did the boss feel? She was, she was phenomenal and still is. Uh, she has, she's known from when we dated I had more of a, I guess, I mean, I guess you can call it entrepreneurial type mindset, right? Like working for somebody else wasn't right. going to be my thing long-term. Right. Even when I was at Vivint, like I, I still had to, to have something else that I was doing just because I, I needed to be in control of my time a little more. Right. So she was, she was supportive and she was on board, but she definitely thought I was crazy. I mean, doing something like that, that was so out of left field. Any kids at the time? Yeah. We had all, all four of her. Uh, yeah. No, not all four. We had three of our four. Wow. At that point. So my kids are 15, 13, 8, and 5. Wow. Talk I love it. I mean, three kids married and just jumps. Yep. Head first into an industry that doesn't exist, uh-huh. still barely exists, never built a house before. What a cool story. Very cool story. Oh, my gosh. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's definitely been crazy. There's no question. And I'm sure there's a lot more crazy ahead, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, it's evolving like crazy. Yep. I mean, it's going to be so different probably just a year or two from now. Well, I can't wait till you have to invite us back because we have our financing deal figured out. <laughs> Not, uh-uh. <laughs> Don't be leaving me in the dust on this. This is ridiculous. I know people. Well, I just want, I just want a man cave. Anybody ever buy them for that? Yeah, we've had a couple. Just like an Xbox tiny house. Uh huh. That's what I'm talking <laughs> like, I mean, about. The, the original one was a hunting. Like it was, it was just for him to bug out a couple times a year to go hunting at. So he had no his way. TV set up there and his poker table in there, just him and a couple of a couple of his boys that he wanted to go hunting with. Did you do a container house in your backyard? It's just like your man cave. Yeah. What a cool like. Ooh. Okay. It would be awesome. I'd have three AC units, so you keep it like 62. Yeah. Oh man. All right, man. Well, dude, this was awesome. So, so yeah, cool. Thank you guys for having me, man. No, thank you, you come for back coming whenever on. you yeah. want. We need to do a tour of the facility. I would love to go see how some of that yeah, stuff is done. Where, where are you building them here? I don't have them here, right? Like, I don't okay. have. I sold my building okay. two years ago here locally. So my my manufacturing is out of Idaho and Alabama right now. Got it. Cool. You're just a facilitator, man. You're all over the place. I am all over the place. <laughs> I love it. ADD is kind of my thing. Hey, you and me both, man. I yep. knew there was. Like I said with Tim, a spark, right? <laughs> he didn't like that so much. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's such a cool story. And this was the whole reason we started the podcast was stuff like this. I mean, risk, diving in, have no clue, you know, learn as you go. Yeah. And it's just another example of people like if you have some harebrained idea, like. Go for it. Go for it. Because if you love it, it's going to turn into something just like this did. You Dude, know? The, the biggest thing I figured out is that nobody had like once i got into it i I was definitely really shy about it right like i I did not know for a fact this was going to work out just like the banks but i know what what box to check off right i don't know to tell people i quickly realized nobody has any idea what they're doing when you're starting a business right you're trying to figure it out as you're running nobody does just it took me a while to figure that out but once i did i can testify to that (laughs) i jumped into an 80 percent failure rate business anybody can yeah and if i can do it anybody can do it yeah it's very true. I mean, you can, especially now, because there's so many resources with YouTube, right? Yeah. Like, it's amazing what you can learn to do on YouTube. And then it's just experience, right? It's just the more you do it, the more you, you know, it, you don't even have to think about it. And that's the key, the more you do it. Because you have to do something. Like, you have to start. Right. You have to 
try that first one. You have to yeah, keep going. going. I mean, you're going to fail. It's 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 just a part of of that business. I mean, even even social media in general, right? Like you could start a you could start a YouTube page or or a YouTube channel or an Instagram page or any other platform and fail. It could take a while to take off, but the minute it takes off, it's all worth it. Yeah, for sure. Have you thought about doing Sprinter vans? Because that seems to be the other big. I've actually looked into. I've rented a couple and drove. Man, like, I've cool. taken a family around. They're awesome. Right. Uh, it, just for me, like I'm not going to hit the road by myself on going that road trip. Right. Uh, you could just see like with what you're building now. Yeah. Just seeing it would be like a natural. Yeah, on that chassis, uh, it can absolutely be done. There's a few people doing that, and they're I mean, right. they're they're building some awesome ones. Right. That's what that's. I feel like that's a pretty. I saw one on the profit. popular thing right now. Is yeah. Because you can get those things pretty cheap. They can tow. Like you said, they've got heavy payload. They're yep. tall. But, man, I would think your facility, that would be a very natural and easy thing to do. Yeah. We've uh, we've had a couple that have hit us As if you need more to do that. Yeah. Right. Or anything else. Right? Like you, I mean, there's all kinds of – anything on wheels. Right. There was a big national a story yesterday about a school bus. Did you see that? This guy DIY'd it. I think uh, it was on KSL. He, actually, he bought an old school bus. Oh, yeah. And he actually – it was pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty impressive, but I mean, you're right. Anything on wheels, that's anyway. Yeah. Such a cool episode. Such a great story. I hope everybody needs to follow you, but thanks They're, for coming. Yeah. Probably thank you again for having me. Though.